0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Brand new episode of What's Good. My guest today, Super Bowl champ, pro bowler, Boss Ward, TJ Ward, thanks for being here. No problem, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Hey, so I know you're not playing in the NFL right now, but it doesn't mean you're any less busy. Uh, brand new father, congratulations. How's that changed your whole world?
1: Man, it's it's hit me hard and fast, but it's amazing. Uh, it's almost three weeks now, and he's keeping me busy at the same time. Um, Know, trying to do other things to make sure I secure a better future for him. But everything's been amazing.
0: And I look at your Instagram, a lot of shots of you on the golf course. Are we seeing a move from the NFL to the PGA soon here? What's going on?
1: You know what? I've gotten so much better, and I, I feel like if I keep focusing and playing and continuing to uh, get out there and swing the clubs, I'm going to get a lot better. So I plan on it, man. If I can get even to as good as I was in the, in the league and golf, man, that'd be uh (laughs) that'd be something
0: well you know it's funny i was thinking of your of your role as safety right you know you get a chance to kind of deliver some big hits out there golf that's that's not really you know it's not always a thing in golf where if you bring more strength it means you get better results how has it been transitioning into a sport where it's just a totally different frame of mind
1: you know it's it's humbling it's very humbling because no, they have a lot of similarities and then they're complete opposites, as you know. But the focus, the mental the mental strength you have to have to make sure that every shot and every t- technique on that shot is as close to perfect as you want it to be. And the same thing is with football. You know, you you might swing the club 100 times in, in 18 rounds, but in football, you might play 100 plays. So every play, you have to make sure that your technique is right. You're in the right position. Your angles are right. You know, um, you're anticipating the elements. You know, in golf, it may be the wind or uh, that particular hole, the way a dog lays, or things around it that makes that hole difficult around the green. In football, it's the same thing. Formations, you may be anticipating something from a particular formation or a players in a particular spot that he usually isn't in. So it's things like that. Um, the game within the game that makes it challenging. And that's what I love about it.
0: Now we'll dive into football here in a moment, but I know the golf thing, obviously family, what else are you working on now looking to get into, as you said, to try and kind of diversify and, and build that next step of your career.
1: Well, I have a few, well, not a few. I have a lot of investments, a lot of investments going. Um, I also been in the process of writing more of a career biography than a you know, a life biography type mm-hmm. book, but, um, just the uh, kind of detailed of my football life and my football career, how I got to, you know, um, being a Super Bowl champ and where I am now, the struggles I've had within the game, you know, a little bit outside, not too much outside of football, but just, um, trying to stay on the beaten path of my career, having my downfalls, having my successes and, um, It goes through
0: all of that. Yeah, and you've you've been a guy, right, that has had to overcome some stuff. As we look back at your football journey, right, and going to a place like De La Salle, I think people that follow high school football, follow college football, know this is perhaps the most prestigious program, one of the best in the country when it comes to what they do. But uh, you were someone that was under-recruited, trying to go from there to college. You're around all these successful people. You want to be successful. How would you work through those moments there when – in your mind you know you're good enough to be out there but you have to overcome an injury you're not you're not getting to do what you want to do
1: um it was it was tough you know my, my dad and my, my mom were really there the main motivating factors to really guide me and my dad had a, a great plan that he put forth that you know I executed <laughs> we executed you know and um a lot of people didn't think that it could be done, but we did it. And then being around guys like uh, Cameron Cove and Maurice Jones, Drew, DJ Williams, like all the guys that went to Della Salle and were successful, and especially my class, uh, the five guys that went to Oregon, rest in peace, Terrence Kelly as well, Willie Glassford, Jackie Bates, being around those guys, they continued to motivate me whether they knew it or not, just by their success. So, me being around people that we're not only good friends of mine, but we're doing things the right way. We're being successful. Gave me that um, extra motivation to know and I really have that deep down faith that I could do the same thing.
0: And, and for those that don't know, Dale Sal based in, in the East Bay of Northern California, high school power. as reading about your story more and your dad kind of seeing an article about De La Salle years ago and thinking that'd be a nice place for my kids to go. You know, when you're only maybe a year old or something, he's already thinking 17 yeah. years down the road to when you'll be in high school or whatever it is, 15 years down the road. And then there's a moment right where you get hurt and he kind of tells you or gives you that option, right? You can just, just do the school thing. That's fine with me. Don't worry about football. When you think back on that moment. And of course your answer is no, I'm, I'm all in on football. Was that almost like a defining moment for you? What do you remember about being, being kind of given that option? Like, you don't, you don't have to do football. I know it's our family thing, but you don't have to do it.
1: Yeah, that was um, – well, the first question I asked myself was, would I be able to? And then everything came off of that. So we talked to the doctors. They were like, yeah, you'll be fine. it will take a, maybe a year and a half to two years recovery, but you'll be able to play. And I was like, Shh, it wasn't even a thought after that. I was like, okay, I got time. (laughs) I'll let this heal, and I'll let the school and the football path kind of... I'll decide that based on my health, kind of, you know. So, we decided to go to a JC so I would not have to, you know, enter as a regular student and lose eligibility because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be... I didn't want to go as a full-time student and not be playing ball, you know. Sure. So... I just went as a part-time student for a year, got some credits. And then when I uh, decided to walk on at Oregon, I had credits, but then I could um, enroll as a freshman instead of as a sophomore.
0: And, and I know that injury kind of threw off a little bit of a plan there, right? There was a group of La sal that says we're all going to go to Oregon. I think people think of guys grouping together in a super team, maybe the Miami Heat from, from a couple of years ago, right, where, where a bunch of talented guys say we're all going to go to the same place. You, you guys had that in mind in Oregon other guys get scholarships you have to take kind of a different route when you finally get to Oregon what's that process like to prove that you're just as good as the guys that got full rides?
1: Uh, <laughs> you know what it's it really started within myself the confidence in myself and my ability but I had when the, well, that year I w- I didn't I wasn't in Oregon my friends were they were Beginning their freshman season. So I would talk to them all the time and they'd be like, T, man, can't wait for you to get up here. You could, man, you could play on, you could start. You I just telling me like my abilities were there. I just need to get out there and get healthy, you know. So that gave me the confidence and actually made me work even harder before I got, you know, got there. And then when I got there and um, I was working out, training, they let me actually use uh, the field and stuff. Before I actually was on the team, but I was enrolled in school. So I was working out at the, in Austin in the stadium before the team that came out for the summer workout. So they seen me out there training with my dad. I think we were running some like cross fields or something. And they had came out afterwards to do their seven on seven. So I talked to all my boys and, uh, you know, had a little reunion kind of with my dad and stuff. And then they went to doing their seven on. So I'm watching and I'm like, okay, who's the starting safeties or who's the starting corners? And Jackie and, uh, at this time, Jackie and another guy was the starting corners. I was like, who's the starting safeties? They were like, this guy and that guy. I'm like, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I swear I put a big smile on my face. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can play here for easy, you know. If these guys are starting, I'm planning on coming starting as soon as I touch down. It wasn't like I'm waiting my junior or senior year. I'm like, as soon as I get on the field, I'm starting. So that's the mentality I had. And then when I did come in that fall with the incoming freshman group, which would end up being like my close friends like Jerry's Bird and Walter Thurman, um, and even Willie Glassford, cause Willie Glassford gray shirted the year before. So he came in as a freshman with me, although he had graduated in 2004. So um, my mentality going into that fall camp was, to be better than everybody on scholarship. And I know we had brought in a couple corners. We had a couple DBs. It was like, you know, four or five freshmen at my position, but I didn't care. I was like, y'all gonna have to, I feel like they had to take the spot for me almost, you know, like I felt it was mine and they had to take it from me. Whereas I had to take it and, and take it from them.
0: But, That's a tremendous amount of confidence. You know, it's funny coming into this. I was I was thinking, you know, I'd, you know, I'd kind of ask you, how do you get to a point where you feel like you belong? Because at De La Salle, right, you're not even starting until later in your career and then you're dealing with injuries. Then, then the scholarship thing, right, you have to walk on to get to Oregon. So it'd be understandable if you had some doubts and you were like, can I really do it at this level? But you seem to have flipped it from the start and said, not only do I belong here, but I'm actually ready to take everyone's job if that's what it comes down to. Where does that confidence come from?
1: Uh, I mean, I've always had it. I was good. Like, I've went through phases of my life, and I think some players are always good. Like, they're good from their young, and then you got those guys that are just phenoms <laughs> until they retire, you know? Sure. Then you got guys that aren't so good the half of their careers, and then the back half of their careers are good. And the same thing, you have guys that are really good young and then don't make it. You know, they they tap they max out at high school or whatever age it was. So I I was I was kind of like a up and down. Like I was really good young. Early in high school, I was still good, but I was undersized and you know, I wasn't as good. I wasn't as dominant. You know, I was a good player, but I wasn't a standout player. I wasn't a breakout player. Then going into like my senior year, I began to to get that that player back and I got hurt. So I was kind of finding myself in between not playing and getting to Oregon, and then when I got back on the field my freshman year and started making plays again, I was like, you know what, I'm back, and I was like, this player is not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure he doesn't go anywhere, and you know, that's my goal
0: you talked about your friends in Oregon and and there was a great article just a couple of months ago in in the athletic kind of chronicling uh, the defensive back and the secondary that has stood out over the years at Oregon and kind of the group, this nickname, the D boys, right? This group that kind of set the tone for what Oregon tries to do now from a defensive standpoint, outside of what you do as a, as a skill group and, and the stats and the wins and all of that stuff. How do you describe the bond of that group and just how close you all became during that time?
1: Uh, we were really close. We were really close because we were all under underrated, undervalued coming into college, right? All great players in high school, but for some reason, you got two-star, three-star, Mia Walk on, Jay Burr, I think was a two-star. Pat Chung was a two-star. I think Walt was a three-star. So you got guys like that who know their abilities but feel like they've been you know, undervalued or even just – under, under monitored people didn't get the opportunity to see them so now you have opportunity to blossom in college because you play in national television you have one of the biggest universities in in the country and uh, we began to win and so uh, between having the same classes living in the same apartment complex you know training table it just became a ritual where we'd be up early together taking some of the same classes we go to practice and it's the college environment but a lot of times guys in the same group don't continue to hang out after practice or in between practice or at study hall you know guys tend to separate but you know we were pretty close even you know coach neal he he really hard the importance of film on us and watching the extras. And we had to watch, we didn't have to, but we decided to watch like our film after every practice. You know, we didn't have to do that, but we wanted to be the best and we knew we had the ability to be the best, so.
0: You described the motivation, right? All of you want to prove that you're better than what people thought you were. You've talked personally about the confidence you had, right? Coming in even, even after that year at, at, a, at a community college, right? Seeing them mm-hmm. train and know I can take one of these guys jobs. Is there a moment that stands out for you personally when you think about maybe it's year one, year two at Oregon, where you're like, "I have the belief, I have the chip on my shoulder, and now this moment proves that I belong. Like I, I know what I'm doing. I'm an important part of this group. This is a memorable moment for me early on in my career."
1: Uh, it probably had to be my first start, like because I, like my sophomore year, I was you know, mainly on special teams, and I was killing special teams. Like, we – I honestly lead the game sometimes with five tackles just on kickoff. Like <laughs> Literally, I'd make every tackle on kickoff. People were like, yo, why isn't this dude playing defense? But I was still kind of getting back from my meniscus, my knee injury, and um, I just wasn't quite resi- ready to start physically on defense. And um, my junior year came, and, you know, I was healthy, it was the first game. We played Washington, I believe it was national, te- national television on ESPN, night game, rivalry. And, you know, from the first whistle, I was on fire. I feel like I was running all over the place, making tackles. I made some big hits. I had a pick early in the game, but it got called back because pat pass interference on the receiver. But, you know, I was like, yo, I got to be the best player on the field tonight. That's how I felt. Like – I was like, I have to be the best player on the field. If not, I'm, I can't see nobody really playing too much better than me. And that's when I knew I was like, I can be a high draft pick because I know Pat is considered to be a high draft pick if he, when he leaves this year, and if Jay Bird decides to leave, he's gonna be a high draft pick. You know, and, and with other players on the team that were leaving, I was like, if they're high draft picks and I'm the best player on defense, You know, maybe maybe not. That's your opinion, but I'm gonna be our draft pick, right? <laughs> so that was my that was the first like real eye opener. Like, okay, yeah, I'm here and I belong, and I can go to the next level.
0: And and then you did right. So you finished your time at Oregon, and and now this time around, right, as opposed from going to high school to college, people are well aware of who you are when it's when it's N- NFL time. You end up being a second round pick, right, with the Browns. Even at that point, though is is there that little chip on your shoulder again are you thinking i should have been first round i should have been something higher
1: i definitely i, I definitely feel i should have been first round but i missed half my senior year i had a high ankle sprain but still I, regardless if you put if you put on my senior or my junior and senior year film on like there's nobody that makes plays like me you know the other guys were they're great players as well but you know i felt i should have been in that first round but i definitely went into my Cause the whole process, I feel like I was disrespected Like combine everything. I just feel like I was disrespected so much. Cause they were talking about every safety, this and that, this and that. I'm like, no, I'm not getting no love. This is crazy. <laughs> like we just came off the Rose Bowl. Uh, no, I had a good combine. But even before that going into the combine, you know, they had their guys, the media has their guys and you no, know, I just felt disrespected so i definitely went into my rookie year with a chip
0: and it sounds like that's just stuff that kind of kind of fuels your fire a little bit right you kind of keep this stuff maybe in the back of your mind is that is that all part of what kind of fuels your engineer to prove to people that that maybe um, they've they've missed misjudged your abilities Oh, uh,
1: it's People, I don't I don't care how great you play, people are gonna say you suck. It's <laughs> <There's> just <laughs> people like that. It's just people like that. So I don't know, I don't know if it's more about proving people of my abilities. It's just like giving give me my due prize do my give my due credit for my abilities. It's not that I've been lacking them or I need to prove them to you, because they've been there. They've already they've always been there. But just give me my due recognition for them, you know what I'm saying? let uh, let people know like you let people know about some other people's abilities that, you know, are whatever, are the same or less than. But get celebrated more. That's it.
0: So you go to Cleveland, you, you know, now there's this NFL opportunity. and You know, I'm always curious about this as you're trying to make a team, even though you're a draft pick, right, you still have to kind of prove, prove your worth, mm-hmm. right, and this is now the ultimate. It gets no higher. What are some of the things that you have to do to to make that team, to prove that you belong, you know, as a as a first-year player. Obviously, you're a second-round pick, so they're going to give you, you know, every, every opportunity as opposed to maybe a guy that's trying to walk on or a practice squad guy. But beyond the football stuff, how do you have to carry yourself? How do you have to be to make sure that you stick?
1: Um, you just got to do all the things you were taught to do coming up, you know, be on time, be respectful, be a pro, um, don't do the things. Outside in the streets that would get any other person in trouble, you know. <laughs> don't do anything crazy, don't be out drinking and partying. You know, I've done my share of partying, but uh, you know, you just have to try to limit it and know what you can and can't do. But coming into Cleveland, even as a second round pick, you know, we had Joe, he had one in the first round. So it was like, again, I'm in the DB room and I'm a second round pick, and we got a first round pick above me. It's like, I can't even be first in my room. Like, I'm the second round of DB. Y'all ever be the first round DB? Nah, but Joe's my boy, man. He's one of my best friends to this day. And actually, I loved having like a first or second round DB. Like, it was so cool. You know, we came in, we clicked automatically. And, you know, we both started balling. And so we were tight from day one. We had the same mannerisms, same attitude about winning, you know, same beliefs. So it was easy. And then we kind of wanted to take it to another level, but it was just too inconsistent in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, you deal with coaching changes and that's a that's an organization that has just struggled to to be successful right over the years. You come from a program in college that's very successful. You're obviously excited to be in the NFL, but how do you how do you handle going into a place where they just haven't been able to win consistently and you obviously wanna wanna do your part, but you know what the history has been.
1: You know, I was completely naive to the process and, you know, what it takes to win the NFL. I'm thinking we're going to come in. We got some great rookies, me, Joe, Colt McCoy. We had material Terrio Hardesty. We had a great rookie class. We had another safety. Larry Sante came in with us. So we were young. We were, you know, talented. So we thought we were coming in and we were going to flip the script like that. <laughs> Man, were we wrong. But uh, it was fun, even though – No, the first two years we lost and it was still fun because I'm still young, still enjoying the NFL, still enjoy playing on Sundays, just kind of soaking it all up. Then my third and fourth year is where it become irritating. Like, now I'm really a pro. I see how things work. I know why things aren't working because we keep changing things and you know, some guys are upset with losing. Some guys go home and they just—it's nothing in them. And you have a mix of that on the team—a mix of people that have a passion, and you have a mix of people that don't have or aren't as passionate. And then that becomes a conflict within, and it just makes everything worse. So I vented a, a little bit—my probably more my last year about you know the conditions and what were going on because I had. Two GMs, three coaches, and two owners in four years. I, you know, that that's tough to deal with on top of losing. And then the coach that, you know, we had Chud Chisinski, which all the players love, and we thought, you know, um, we could do some things in the future. We had Ray Horton. I had my best year playing for Ray my last year in Cleveland, and they just broke it all apart. So that was pretty – that was pretty um, – that was, that was tough because it was like, you know what, this is just over. It was over. You know, it was my contract year. I'm like, I'm not coming back here. And then they didn't even offer me, so we both knew, on, I guess, on both sides that it was done.
0: but When you talk about being naive to what it is to win in the NFL, what, what do people not realize about how challenging that is?
1: I think people think, like, if you have good players and a good coach, you can win. It's not true at all. You can have good players and a coach and be terrible because everything starts from ownership down. Like if your ownership and your GM president and everything is not in sync with the coaches and the line from top to bottom, then you're not going to be successful. I don't care if you have the best roster in the NFL. It's not going to work. Trust me. I've seen it. <laughs> it's not going to work, but um, you just got to have a group of guys that work together are selfless and a coach that understands his players and wants to work with his players, doesn't want his players to work for him, you know? So that's that's some of the biggest differences that I've known for playing with good organizations and, and bad ones.
0: What's a and maybe it's something small, but what's a what's a little thing that gives you an idea that not everyone's on the same page on this. Is it, is it something that goes on in practice, the way people carry themselves in the locker room, and not, not, not naming any names, just a general vibe that you get? What do you see that says to you, yeah, you know what, this, like, I know how this works, and these guys aren't
1: in it? Um, for me, it's when you try to do the same things over and over and expect different results. <laughs> 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 That's one thing, like, and you, you 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 see when the efforts there from coaches and in, in management, and you see when it's not. And the same thing from players, like coaches can see when a players not all the way there. Um, but I say that, and when you're not playing your best players, mm-hmm. you're not trying to win. You're not playing your best players. Everybody knows you're not playing your best players. Not trying to win. What are we trying to do here? But, you know, most of the time, I i mean, I guess not most of the time. I picked up on it a lot better later in my career than earlier. So I probably missed some of those signs my first three years. <laughs> you know, I, it was, it's still, I, I look back and those three, first two to three years, it's still a whirlwind. Like, so much happened, I feel like. But,
0: yeah, I think I think that's the way a lot of people kind of describe a pro athletes and athletes in general when they when they first get in to, to a league or whatever it is, there's so much going on, right? You're just not seeing it all. You're you're really focused on right trying to keep your job, earn your spot, whatever it might be, a bunch of other things going on. After Cleveland, then you go to Denver, right? Totally different situation. An organization that had won championships, right? And you come along at a great time as they're as they're building up. Is that just like a whole brand new feeling to you when you go there and kind of the role that you have. What was that switch for you like?
1: Um, it was, you know, it was great. I mean, I had played with good players in Cleveland, but when I got to Denver, I was playing with bona fide stars like, you know, D. Ware, Akeem Payton was here, um, Vaughn. You know, we had when you looked across that that line and you were like, okay, yeah, I'm, this this is. This is a team that can win a championship. You know, We definitely have the potential to win a champion. This is my first year. You know, we had signed Emmanuel as well. We had a DT. Uh, you know, we were pretty loaded. So that free agency year was huge for us. And a lot of teams, or a lot of, I guess, media outlets had us winning the Super Bowl, which we lost in the first round, which was very disappointing at home. Or not the first, the second round, but our first game, and it was death. It was a, uh, it was a real bitter taste. It was a slap in the mouth. Like we were way better than this. We had beat the Colts, butt earlier that season, and uh, we had some guys out, but we we still should at least won that game, and we didn't. So it, it made us hungry for the next year.
0: And and when you're in Denver, right, you do eventually reach the ultimate. And and for you, I don't think you could draw it up better, right? A Super Bowl, back in the Bay Area the Broncos win, uh, you're able to make some plays. Is, is that moment, is that, is that the culmination? Does it get any better for you?
1: <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it could have got better if I would have stayed on my feet and scored that touchdown. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I, I could not have written that story. But I feel like I had. Like, I feel like as a child I had foreseen that happening. And then when it happened, I couldn't believe it happened. But, you know, that kind of feeling, I don't know if you had goals. I mean, obviously you have goals and dreams. But, like, when you achieve something, you feel like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. But, you know, that type of feeling. But it's still kind of unbelievable. That's what winning the Super Bowl at home in the Bay Area. You know, a defensively driven, uh defensively won game pretty much, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. And then be able to share that with my family. Uh, it was something I'll never forget for sure. And uh, it's still it's still an amazing memory. It's still amazing. Memory.
0: Yeah, I mean it has to be a kind of a pinch yourself moment. I can't believe this has actually happened because you know it, right? A lot of people can be great at football, they can put in all the work, do all the right things, and it just doesn't bounce their way. They don't they don't get on the right team in the right moment. So to all come together and as you said right it does feel like uh kind of a combination of all the things that you had been working for in the first place did you have like a literal dream of that when you were a kid like did you envision being a super bowl champ or just kind of felt like this was where i was supposed to be
1: i literally dream of being a super bowl champ like my first memory of football like playing anything was watching super bowl uh i don't know what number it was but i think it was dallas buffalo one of those super Bowls. okay yep and that's like literally my first like recognition of football the game and then everything comes off of that but um uh, it's just things happen so crazily like (laughs) it's weird like i never really was a bronco fan growing up but i always like watching the broncos my name's Terrell, so Terrell Davis was somebody I always watched growing up. I played running back, you know. I had the little cut fingers like he used to have gloves, you know. <laughs> so I always was kind of like a. I was a Niner fan growing up, but I was kind of a Bronco fan too. And um, just to be able to win the Super Bowl with the Broncos in San Francisco, it's it's pretty wild. But you know, when you work hard and you you definitely have to vision certain something first. You have to have that vision and believe it, and wholeheartedly go after it. And um, at the end, you may look up and can't believe you're there. But at the end, you you, you plan that the whole time.
0: You, you were talking about it from that game. You know, wishing it stayed on your feet to score a touchdown. Right there's that moment where you, where you have an interception, right? Fumble. It gets it gets recovered. When you win a Super Bowl, can you look back at that stuff and it's all just like, uh, like just like a fun, uh, like a like a funny moment to laugh at? It's not. Anything where if you had lost a game or if it went a different way, you'd have a different feeling about it? Or does that still stick with you a bit?
1: No, it sticks with me. It still hurts because, you know, it's a bad play. You know, it was bad. It was a good play and it's bad play on the fumble. Mm-hmm. And thank God Danny Trevathan was hustling like he was all game. Cause that was his second recover fumble. And cause that could have put us in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. And we could have lost that game on that play. So I, you know, if we lost a game on that play, I definitely feel a lot worse. But now, I mean, since we won, it's something like, ha ha, whatever. But it still, it still hurts. Yeah, you're you're I,
0: a far too competitive of a guy. Yeah, think, to let even, any of those stuff. Even a right. slip, it's like,
1: oh, whatever, you're on your feet. I'm like, bro, just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> where,
0: where does the nickname Bo- Boss come from?
1: Um, Boss Ward came from college uh, at Oregon. Um, we were playing uh, Rainbow Six at the time on PlayStation. So this is like before Call of Duty, when everybody's playing Call of Duty, it was Rainbow Six, and we had a bunch of guys on on the headsets, but, um, you know, we were all in our different apartments. We were right around the corner, but we were all on the headsets. So we used to play that, and now my gamer tag was uh, Boss Ward. And I don't even know how I came up with it. I just, I just liked the kind of um, the mentality, the, the um, procedures of the boss, you know, he's respected, he takes care of business, he does his job, you know, no one, you know, pushes over him, he sacrifices if he needs to, and you know, he's successful. So that was my screen name, or my gamer tag in that, and we, it, it went from the game to campus, pretty much and guys just start calling me boss, boss Ward, and then carried, it. And I don't know, it just took them like a tsunami. But it's fitting. So, you know, some people say you can't make your own nickname. I say you can if it fits, right? If it doesn't fit, then hey, people are not gonna call you. But- well, uh, And
0: you know, though, like the way that you did it was more organic. Like you're yeah. playing a video game, You everyone has to pick a handle, you pick your handle. It's not like you said, Hey everybody! Like starting next week, call me, call me Bob Ward <laughs> in the interviews. Yeah, nah.
1: no, no, not at all. It wasn't like from this day on. You guys called me Boss War. Nah, <laughs> it kind of just like you said, happened organically. Uh, I think it was like Walt and my boy um, Kevin Garrett. He's he used to say that a lot, boss, like loud. What's up, boss? Like and then <laughs> Walt always say Boss War, Boss War. We used to call him King Walt. Boss war, boss war. And them is two of the loudest guys on campus, period. So they get to calling you something, you know, everybody else is as well. So
0: you've, you've talked so much about the way you've developed and displayed confidence throughout your entire career, different stops. Can't help but think about what everyone's going through now in the midst of a pandemic, right? It's, it's a crazy time for a lot of people. They're, maybe they're out of work, they're trying to find something new, they're kind of reevaluating their whole life. You're, you're making a transition right into other things for those that are trying to motivate themselves and try and like get back some self-confidence, anything that you do personally, day-to-day, things you tell yourselves that maybe some other folks can kind of bring into their lives?
1: Man, I'm not gonna lie. I've been dealing with the same thing as everybody else this last year or so, a couple of years. Um, But I think you just kind of look at what you've done already. You know, use your past, As motivation Um, because for me somebody told me to do that it was like bro don't forget what you've done and go go back and look and then you start forgetting kind of all the success you had trying to reach more you know so just look at the achievements you've done focus down on that and use that to propel you to your next ones you know
0: because you're coming out of a team sport and so many athletes go through this when they transition out of that day-to-day environment where you just can't find that same thing, right? You could go get an office job somewhere or wherever it might be, but it's going to be very hard to recreate a hundred guys together in a locker room, all, all, you know, bound for the same thing. Do you find yourself chasing that feeling? Is there a way to replicate that? How do you, how do you fill that in if you don't have it anymore?
1: Um, I don't know. I think, Well, what I've learned lately is you're you're working in teams for almost everything. Like, regardless of what I try to start focusing on or getting into, it's like, I need a team. (laughs) I need a team. Let's get a team together to work on this. Let's get a team together to work on this. So it's not going to be the exact kind of team. Like, it's not going to be all. 250-pound guy (laughs) with brute strength and stuff. You know, you're going to work with some females. You're going to work with some younger people, some older people. And it's just about learning how to work with different people and trusting your teammates. So it's a different realm for sure, but you're not that person you were in this realm. So take it down a notch and let somebody else that knows more about this help you out, and you can help them out too. But, you know, especially with – an athlete being so competitive, sometimes you get in other things and people start talking and you think they know more than you, or you get to thinking that they. And it's like it becomes a necessary competition. Like, you know what? It's like trying to compete with a quarterback. Like, I'm out on the field. I'm not going to line up next to Peyton, throw the ball, and he throws the ball, and I'm like, i oh, forget that. I got to throw a better ball. Like, I can't throw a better ball than Peyton man. you know? So that's kind of how it is in you know, in business. and – other realms of teamwork it's like okay know what you do well and what you don't and trust your team around you to do the things that make everyone successful
0: yeah you're exactly right you're talking about all the things you're into now golfing investments right there's some of the things you did in football right are not going to apply right it doesn't matter you know in in those realms how physically fit you are necessarily or if you give a great kind of hype up speech right you need to let some of those folks do what they do well too
1: Mm -hmm, exactly exactly so it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's humbling, but it's motivating at the same time. Because once I, like with me, like you said, I'm pretty persistent. You say, how did you keep all this confidence, you know, throughout this? Because once I lock in and I feel that I can do something, then I'm going to be persistent until I get it done, you know? So it's, it's hard to talk me out of it. And that's pretty much what happened with football, and that's going to happen with the next phase. <laughs> and that's, a,
0: that, that's, a, that's a huge life skill to have uh, on hand because so many people don't, I think, have that built in. You know, they get knocked down a peg, and it's hard to ramp back up. But if you're at a place where you have such uh, self-belief, you know, mm-hmm. it, it really offers you a lot, of think, going forward. Um, boss, this has been an awesome conversation. We, we end these uh, with three kind of positive questions to close out are, are kind of what's good questions here. And the first one I'll ask you is, um, what's what's something that you've done for yourself lately? So we talk about being in a pandemic, people have to make sure they take care of themselves, right? You get caught in this endless loop of things. And I know you have a lot going on. What's something you've just done for you recently?
1: Um, well, the whole, I had stopped drinking alcohol. I stopped drinking alcohol the whole quarantine. I felt that. I just needed to, um, for myself, my own health. Um, I had a baby coming in. Um, we had just got locked down for quarantine, I think, in March. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not drinking. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to work out, get healthy. I had gained a lot of weight. I lost 25 pounds. Oh, nice. Like, I went from 225 to 200 this, during this period. So that's what I did for myself.
0: And how much better do you feel having gone through that?
1: I feel great. I feel so much better, man. I, feel, it's like a, I felt congested before. You know, I just felt clogged up. But even mentally, I feel like um, I'm thinking better. I'm more creative. I'm definitely more uh, precise and, you know, with my affairs. Like, I got to do this. I do this on time. I'm doing this on time. I'm scheduled, you know. I'm tentative, so it's helped me a lot. It's clear now.
0: now, The only problem is if you get in too much good shape, you know, week week six, week seven, the phone might start ringing again. You know,
1: Uh, by week six, week seven, it's gonna be too late. I'm gonna have hung them up for good. (laughs)
0: Um, And then, what's something that you've done for someone else recently?
1: Uh, Something I've done for someone else. Yeah. Besides the stuff I do, you know, for my, my lady and my family, um, you know, I just coming home, I just gave a homeless guy some money. I mean, that's the most recent thing I did. Uh, just gave him some money. He was on the corner. It's hot. So that's literally the last thing I did.
0: But the stuff for your family is a big deal, too. That's a, you talk about yeah. a team effort, right, and having a new baby is a big deal.
1: But, no, I have my charity. I'm I'm planning on getting back going out here in Denver that was kind of on hiatus this last year. So, I'm going to get my golf tournament for my T.J. Ward Foundation back going. And uh, to the youth of Denver and, you know, the the underprivileged children, the undervalued children, you know, the people, kids that don't have all the resources and, you know, getting all the care and love, so. That's what I want to do. That's what I've been doing with my foundation in the last five, six years.
0: And then last, when you want to kind of escape from stuff and just kind of laugh, what's what's something that has really made you laugh out loud recently?
1: <laughs> uh, shoot, man, that's too many. I laugh all day, honestly. Probably my <laughs> son, he just did something when I was holding him. Um the faces he made, this is one of the faces he made just before I got online with you made me laugh. So definitely him. He keeps me laughing.
0: Good stuff. And then and then before we go, of course, I have to ask, because people will ask me, is, is, the, is there any way you come back and play football again? Or are you done?
1: You know, I, I love to play. I want to play so bad, honestly. You know, I've been out for two years now, but I've stayed in shape. And I feel out of shape for a little bit, but... It was nowhere during the season. <laughs> it was off season, but um, like I said, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life right now. I feel like it. I'm in great shape, and I want to play. So if I get a call in the next week or two, then I'll, I'll show up for sure. But after that, I just can't, you know, stay ready that long. I gotta move on.
0: But so is the thing of you kind of putting it out there, like, hey, 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 I'm ready to go. Like, do you have to put the word out, or is it? No, more- well, I mean, I've
1: been, I've, you know, did they know? You no, know, teams know, my agent's been talking to teams, and yeah. it's just on them to give me the opportunity, and uh, they won't be, you know, I won't let them down for sure, and I'll make them a lot better. I know that, so I just need that one little op. I'm good.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, if they bring you on, there'll be no shortage of confidence to try and get the job done. Yeah. Uh, TJ, what, whether it's football, golf, whatever, whatever you're working on, family stuff, best of luck with everything that's coming next.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Appreciate it.